0: During COVID, we have gotten used to being with people in a different way, namely Zoom. I've talked with some of you who used Zoom as a primary way to connect with your family during Thanksgiving. In fact, I've I've seen pictures of people sitting at their Thanksgiving table with all the food and a computer sitting there so that they could, in a sense, virtually share the Thanksgiving meal with their family. And Zoom is definitely better than nothing. Um, I think that Zoom is better than just a plain phone call, but we have to be honest. I mean, it is just not the same as being with someone. You know, couples sometimes say that they have been with their significant others for so many years. I, I can say I have been with Sherry for over 25 years. And I have to think it's one of the most painful phrases in the English language to hear someone say i don't want to be with you anymore i think some of us imagine god saying that to us i think some of us imagine god saying you you, you know what you're you're such a mess up you're you're such a failure such a disappointment i i don't want to be with you anymore Some of you may be with us for for the first time, you may be joining us uh, either in person or or online today, and maybe you're coming in with that picture of God in your mind. And if you think that this morning, if you feel totally disconnected from God and like God would not want to be with you, then I want to speak a word of encouragement to you today. And so we're privileged this morning to have Kevin King with us and his wife, Jeannie. They have been uh, missionaries, supported missionaries by Grace Point for for quite a while now. And we've been thrilled to to see what God is doing through their ministry in New York City. They are ministering primarily to, to Muslims and to Hindus. And so we get the chance to hear from him this morning about living out loud and what God wants to do in through us through divine appointments. So Kevin, if you'd come and talk to us, we're looking forward to it. Thank you,
1: Dave. It's, it's good to be here. Um, Jeannie and I are just really thankful um, for how many years you guys have been partnering with us. We've been in New York City now for about 22 years. And I think from the beginning, you guys have partnered with us to, to send us up there. Um, and we're so we're seeing people come to Christ and we're seeing churches started. Um, When we first went, we were working just with international students and we didn't have anybody there working with us. And now we have probably five or six teams in New York City. We have a team in Dallas reaching Hindus. We have a team in Rome, Italy, reaching West Africans and South Asians. In New York City, we have a campus team. We have a Bangladeshi team. We have, uh, you know, we just have an Arab team. We have teams all around the city. And uh, you guys have really partnered with us, and we are an extension of your ministry here. So thank you so much for your partnership throughout the years. Um, I'm thrilled to be here to kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe conclude this series on um, Living Out Loud and on Acts 1-8. And I'd like to talk about the fact that, yes... Uh, You will receive power, as Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that power, this empowering of the Holy Spirit, gives us boldness and leads us out to engage people and become his witnesses. But what I'd also like to talk about is in coordination with the spirit that God gives you and the power that comes through you, God is also divinely orchestrating details to bring people to you. So he's sending you out to them, but he's also working in other people's hearts to draw them to you. Um, so that's really important. So today I'd like to talk about divine appointments. Let me share with you a story Uh, in New York City. Like I said, we have different teams and one of our team members who was reaching out to West African Muslims was in a corner store in Harlem and we live in Harlem. And just so you know, Harlem and into the Southern Bronx has about 100,000 West African Muslims. So he was in a corner store and he was talking to this West African guy about Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah in Arabic. So Isa al-Masih was talking about Jesus. And this woman walks by and she stops and she says, what are you guys talking about? And you never know if someone's going to argue with you or wants to actually listen. So he said, well, uh, we're talking about uh, Isa. Can I talk to you in a minute? So that conversation ended and he started to speak to this woman named Siona from Senegal. Now, Senegal, just so you know, is ninety nine point nine percent Muslim. Okay, and Sion is from Senegal, from a city called Dakar. And uh, I'm going to make a really long story short. She was really interested in learning more about Jesus. And so he started to talk to her about Jesus. And then we started to disciple her. And then we trained her. And over a period of about two years, that happened. then she went back to Senegal. And I've been interacting with Siona since, coaching her and training her. And Siona went back, shared the gospel with friends and family, and a church started in her home. And I went over and and did some training with that church and coaching. And then since that time, I was there about a year and a half ago, another church uh, started. That church grew and they multiplied. Now they have two churches. And... Uh, now she's engaging three families who are Muslim families doing Bible studies with them. And we're hoping to see three more churches started in synagogue. Now, just keep in mind, this is a place where it's 99 point, you know, 99% Muslim. And we have people coming to faith and we see churches starting because God had worked out the details of Siona having a conversation with somebody in a corner store And this ball starts to unravel and God is orchestrating this whole chain of events like the book of Acts. So this was what is called a divine appointment, that God had orchestrated our team member to be in this bodega at just this right time for him to be talking to this person, for him to be talking about Isa Amasi. God had orchestrated that Siona would go into the store at the very same time, be walking past them and overhear them when they talked about Jesus. God had already been provoking in her this desire to know more. And this began this ball rolling where two years later, Sienna goes back to her home country, shares the gospel with friends and family. A church started. Now we see two churches started and three other Bible studies. That's a divine appointment. That's a divine appointment. And what I'm trying to do today is encourage you that God actually orchestrates divine appointments. And that for those people who live out loud and engage people spiritually and are seeking to be his ambassador, for those who turn up their spiritual volume, you will see more and more divine appointments happen. We had another team member who was in uh, Queens. We have a team in Queens reaching South Asians there. Um, and he was in Queens and we, uh, this person was talking to somebody about Jesus. And this Tibetan guy walks by. Now, this Tibetan guy wasn't a believer, but he walked by and he said this. He stopped and he said, Are you guys talking about Jesus? And they said, Yes. And he said this. He said, Last night I had a dream and I saw Jesus coming down out of the clouds and he pointed at me. And the guy said, What does that mean? I'm just telling you the just telling you what happened. And they said, Well, we don't know what that means, but let us tell you about Jesus. So they told him about Jesus, and they met with him that night, and the next day, he got baptized. You see, God divinely orchestrated this meeting. This was a divine appointment that God had led our team members out to a certain corner at a certain time. They were talking out on the street corner, and God had already given this Tibetan guy a dream that very night before And then provoked him to go out at just a certain time, to walk down just a certain road, to overhear a conversation. And I don't know if you've been in New York City, but like there's conversations happening everywhere. You have to actually get pretty close walking by somebody to overhear the conversation. He led them just down that street, just past these people. He overheard them talking about Jesus. And he said, well, I just had this dream about Jesus. Hey, are you guys talking about Jesus? Can you tell me what this dream means? This is a divine appointment. So my encouragement today is that you would, would have greater faith and expectation for divine appointments. Now, you say, well, why how, how can you say that? Well, I think there's four reasons why I think we should have greater expectation for divine appointment. Number one, all through scripture we are taught through scripture that God is sovereign. And he is involved in the affairs of mankind. We see that all through scripture. Number two, we see examples all through scripture of divine appointments. We see these examples. Number three, we're actually told to expect divine appointments. And number four is from experience, I've seen that those people who live out loud, who are, who are not afraid to be spiritual people, and I'm not talking about that they sh- necessarily try to share the gospel with every person. They're just being open spiritually. Those people who are open spiritually about their own life lead the most people to Jesus. We have a training in New York. It's been going on for about 10 or 11 years. We've had many, many people come through, about 20, 10 to 25 people every year come through this training. And so um, we train people. And the number one thing that we train them in is how to turn up their spiritual volume. To, to live out loud spiritually. Because most of us, what we do, and this is the same that thing that we've seen with people who come to this training, is we have a certain way of talking when we're at church and with our Christian friends, and we say, oh yeah, please pray about that, and yeah, I think God's telling me this, and I think God's doing this. We have a certain way of talking over here, but then we talk to our neighbors and our colleagues and other people, and we turn that all off, and we have a whole se- separate different you know, language and you know, vocabulary. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, two things. One, if you do have these two separate languages, just use this one all the time. Turn that one, just use this all the time at work with your friends, use this all the time. Now, if you're one of those people who actually you just use this all the time, you need to actually be taught to actually begin to be the spiritual, like bring spiritual language into, the, into your, your life because you actually think spiritually. But now you've been trained not to use spiritual language, so we try to, in our training, we encourage people to turn up the volume. You know what I mean? Use the language that you think. So those people who live out loud the most, this is what I've seen, those people who live out loud the most lead the most people to Christ, period. Those people who live out loud the most see the most spiritual fruit in other people's lives, period, I say that with absolute confidence, without, it's just, we've seen it year after year after year. And those people who live out loud the most see the most divine appointments. So I gave four reasons. Let's just go through the four uh, pretty quickly here. The first reason I think we should expect divine appointments is because the scripture teaches that God is sovereign. Okay, Um, and we also see many teachings in Scripture of God orchestrating events in different people's lives. I'm actually not going to go into that uh, because I already believe that you're taught that all the time. You read Scripture and you see that we all actually already believe that. How do I know? Well, because we pray as one example. When you have a sick family member or there's someone sick in church, we pray for them and we say, God, please heal this person. Okay, And what we're basically saying is we're asking God to interact, to get involved into the laws of nature, to physically intervene in this person's body and life and change things. We're asking God to orchestrate things and change circumstances. That's divine involvement. We believe that, and that's why we pray. Or sometimes we'll say, Lord, when the surgeon is doing surgery, we pray that you guide the hands of the surgeon. We're actually asking that God would intervene in the actual affairs of this person's hands and guide the surgery. That's why do we do that? Because we believe that God actually gets involved in in human affairs. Um, When we want to see a loved one come to faith, we say, God, we just pray that you will change their heart. Well, is this just something nice? No, we actually believe that God will stir something, do something, bring this person to some events where they actually, their heart becomes ready and spiritually ready to receive salvation. We believe that that's why we pray. Someone's going on a long trip. And we say, Lord, we pray that you keep them safe. If you're a parent and you have a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old who's driving for the first time, man, you pray. Lord, keep them safe. And we pray because we really believe that God gets involved, that God is actually, prayer changes things and God, God answers prayer and gets involved in the activities of our lives. If we already believe that, then we should expect divine appointments. If we already believe that God is getting involved, you don't think he's getting in the vo- involved in the lives of unbelievers as well to, to bring them and to move them and to navigate things? And ch- We believe that. So we, we already believe in the sovereignty of God and that he orchestrates things. The second thing is that all through Scripture we see examples of of divine appointments. All through scripture we see this. I'll just give a couple examples. In Genesis 19, you know, God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and so Abraham is going out, and he comes in contact with two people. We find out that they're two angels. Turns out that they're two angels. This was a divine appointment in Genesis 19. We also see Abraham, Abraham wanted to find a wife for his son Isaac, so he sends his servant out in Genesis 24. And God, if you, if you remember the story of how he, the servant goes out and finds uh, Abraham's you know a, a wife, it's through divine appointment. You know that's a divine appointment. Um, we see this happening in the New Testament uh, in Acts chapter 10. You know Peter's up in a in an, uh, up on a roof somewhere and he's praying and he has this dream. Or vision. And at the same time, God is giving a dream to this Roman centurion in another city, and he brings people to come to Peter and so forth and says, Come and go with them and so forth. This is a divine appointment. Um, th- th- these are just a few examples, but all through scripture, we see that God orchestrates events to bring people together to accomplish his plan and accomplish his purpose. This is actually incredibly reassuring in life. Because we don't have to live in utter fear and hopelessness that we have no, that there's no way that, you know, that we are complete victims to unknown circumstances. No, God is sovereign and he is involved in those things. All right, so number one, all through scripture we see that the sovereignty of God is taught and that he orchestrates events. Number two, we see examples in scripture of divine appointments number three we're told to actually expect divine appointments Jesus when he was sending out the disciples he said you're going to be persecuted all these things are going to happen to you you're going to be brought before governors and kings and you know what all of that stuff happened exactly as he said it would okay they were brought before governors and kings and different leaders and so forth these were divine appointments Um, actually in Hebrews chapter 10, it says show hospitality to strangers because this could be an angel and you don't even know it. So we're told to expect that God may bring angels. I actually can look back to a couple different times in my life where I actually think that God brought an angel to me and I can't explain it in any other way. And as I think about it, I still am just like shocked at the events of that, that, that of that, of what happened. And it's. I think that God brought an angel to interact with me in some way. But we're told to expect that kind of thing. Look, when we read scripture, it's not here just so that we're like, oh, that happened so long ago and God doesn't work that way anymore. No, God still works that way. God still is just as involved in our lives. God is still orchestrating and just as sovereign over the affairs of our lives. The last thing, as I said, is that I have seen so many examples. The reason I think that we should expect divine appointments is from experience. We've seen so many examples of divine appointments happening. And those people who live out loud see them more and more. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to focus on a passage, one more example of a divine appointment, Um, and I just want to kind of learn a few things from this. Uh, So now we're just getting to the text that I want to look at. Um, So all that other stuff was just introduction to now my sermon, which will be about an hour, hour and a half. So um, no, I'm kidding. We're going to look at Acts chapter eight. We're going to look at Acts chapter eight. We're just going to look at a small little section of it. But I think this is important just to help us to understand practically how divine appointments might look and work and to challenge us on on a few other points here. Now, just so you know, in Acts chapter one, verse four, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem until basically the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then he says in Acts one, eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. and You're going to be my witnesses. And we get this picture of Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. And then we get into Acts chapter two and we see the unfolding of God's heart to reach the nations. The feast of weeks was going on. And what happens? In Jerusalem at this time were Jews from all different nations all over heaven. So, I mean, all over the the known world. So all of these Jews were coming from all over the known world into Jerusalem. They were just there temporarily, and then they were heading out. And we know that God has a heart for the nations because the very miracle of Pentecost was a miracle of God reaching foreigners from all different nations. That's why in Acts 2, verse 5, um, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And then if you look at verse 8, you know, the apostle starts speaking, all of these foreigners can understand them in their own native languages. God does this miracle of tongues so that people from different nations can understand. These internationals say, "How is it that each of us understands them in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, and on and on and on." We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The gospel's proclaimed, 3,000 people get saved on that one day. 3,000 who? people from all over the world who came just temporarily and were going back. Actually, we view New York City that way. We view a lot of places where we're reaching the foreigner who comes to us and we're seeing them go back, just like Siona. I think that this situation here with the Ethiopian eunuch is a similar situation. I think he came to Jerusalem to worship and he was on his way home. And we actually see that he's probably one of the ones who came, but he didn't hear the apostles preaching. He wasn't part of the 3,000 who got saved. He's just another person who was there, but wasn't in that event. And it's interesting because it actually says he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home. So let's read this text. Okay, so now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Okay? So that's, it seems like he was part of this whole act to go to Jerusalem and then go back. Now it says this, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. So then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading the, Isaiah the prophet. He says to the guy, do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip up uh, to sit with him. Story goes on. Philip explains that, it, you know, that he's reading Isaiah 53. Philip explains that this is actually talking about Jesus. The guy gets saved. He says, what should prevent me from being baptized? Philip says, nothing. They get down to the chariot. He gets baptized. He goes back to Ethiopia. You don't hear anything about him again. It's very interesting, though, that we see this example because one of the earliest churches in all of Africa, the whole continent of Africa, earliest historical churches in Ethiopia. So it looks like he went back to his country, shared the gospel with his friends and family, and churches were started, just like Siona going back to Senegal. So, but I want to focus on two phrases here which I think are interesting. In verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 26, I apologize. Verse 26, it says this, Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Okay, and then we see a similar phrase in verse 29. It says, the spirit told Philip. So, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, and then it says, the spirit told Philip. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that was like. What does that mean that the spirit told Philip. And I was trying to think through the options of what, that, what Philip actually experienced, okay? And kind of in a way, so what, what, what can we expect to kind of experience? And I think there's two options. I could be wrong. There could be others. Maybe afterwards come up and say, no, there's actually this option. There's probably a whole bunch of variations, but either Philip actually heard an audible voice, which I think is very likely, you know, possible, I should say possible, not likely, possible. The other option is that he heard an inner voice. I'm going to come up with three options, not two. I'm I'm splitting my second option. Or there was this prompting, this feeling, this sense that he felt like I need to go to this chariot. I think any of those options are possible. If it was either an external audible voice or it was an internal voice in his mind or it was just this sense or this prompting that he had as I'm around people who walk and try to keep in step with the spirit and as I'm around people who pray and say God bring people into my path today that I can engage as I'm around people like that I hear stories and I see things and they use language that they'll say I felt like God wanted me to go talk to this person. Or God told me to go here. And I'm always like, well, what do you mean God told you? Oh, I no, I just, and they'll clap, No, I just, I, either I heard, I felt like, I just heard this voice saying, go speak, or I just felt this strong inner prompting to go talk to that person. I want to say this. The Spirit, I've experienced in my life that when I'm walking with the Spirit, that I sense that He's prompting me to do things. And I have a choice to either respond to that, or to reject it. In Scripture, it talks about being uh, our conscience being seared, and the idea there is that when we, when we don't respond in obedience to the to the um, conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we don't respond in obedience, our heart becomes harder and seared like a. Uh, a scar or like a yeah like a scar or like a taking a hot iron you just keep putting it on the same place and it just gets hard we don't respond and I think what happens is when the spirit prompts us to do something if we obey we actually become more sensitive to the prompting of the spirit if we do not obey when the spirit is prompting us to do something we become hardened to the the promptings of the spirit we become hardened to the promptings of the Spirit. So it's basically this idea of growing in faith and learning what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you that when the Spirit is prompting you to do something, do it. I've heard so many stories of regret, and I've heard both sides, actually, but so many stories of regret where a person says, you know, I felt like the Spirit was prompting me to do it, but I didn't do it. And I can tell you this, in, the theme that I see in all of those stories is when you are prompted by the Holy Spirit to talk to somebody or to do something, about 90% of the time, you're gonna feel like, no, no, I am not gonna do that. No, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna go talk to that person. You're gonna feel this fear. You're gonna feel this, like, it's just taking you out of your comfort zone. But if you, if you obey and do what the Spirit is calling you to do, you're gonna see God do amazing things. Let me share a story I have a friend in Pennsylvania named Kenny. Now Kenny uh, went into this grocery store and he walks in and he had graduated from high school about 20, 25 years ago. But he walks in and he sees this guy that he graduated high school with in his graduating class. And him and this guy didn't really hit it off and he didn't really, they didn't click very well, right? But Kenny says to me, he's sharing this story. He says, I felt like the spirit wanted me to go talk to this guy and engage him spiritually. Now, Kenny could have said, I felt like the spirit told me to go talk to this person. Or the spirit said, go talk to this person. But he just said, I felt like the spirit wanted me to do this. He was feeling this prompting by the spirit to go talk to this guy. So he's like, in his heart, he's like, I don't want to go talk to him. And his inclination was to just go, you know, act like he didn't see them go down another aisle and just do his thing. Right. But he felt like the spirit wanted him to do it. So he said, "Okay, I'm going to go do it. So he goes over and talks to the guy and asks him how they're doing. And you know how that kind of conversation goes with someone that you hadn't seen. And then he starts sharing a testimony of how God changed his life and what God did. And then he just said, you know, this is I realized my sinfulness and blah, 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 blah. And he just shares, spiritually engages this guy. And you know what? You know how this guy responds? He's like, totally like hardened by the He's like, not interested at all. Doesn't want to have the conversation. And Kenny's like, okay, I need to let this thing go because this is like not, nothing's happening here. So he just says, okay, hey, well, good seeing you. Walks away and Kenny's thinking, oh my gosh, like what was the point of that? Like this guy was not interested at all and it was extremely awkward. And he's like, God, why... Did you really have me? Were you really prompting me to talk to him? Because I don't know what was happening there. So Kenny is just goes about shopping, and he's doing his thing. And about 10 or 15 minutes later, a woman comes up to him, and she says this. She goes, I, can I interrupt you for a second? I'm really sorry. But about 10 minutes ago, you were having a conversation with someone. And I was in the next aisle, and I could hear you. And I just stopped to listen for a while. And she said, you know, everything that you said to this person, I felt like God was speaking directly to me. And the questions that he had and the things that you shared, you know, I've just been really struggling lately, and I just have so many questions of God. And when you were talking to him, I felt like God was talking directly to me. And Kenny went on to talk to her spiritually, and this woman ended up following the Lord and being discipled and is still walking with the Lord today. And Kenny left that place realizing that God God did actually call him to talk to his friend. And you know what? Probably for his friend, because I think that, you know, who knows what's going to happen to his friend 10 years, 20 years, who knows? But he also did it for the woman in the aisle next to him. You know, in New York City, it, one thing that really took a lot of time getting over is, you know, you go to a restaurant in New York City, and uh, you're sitting here with a person right across from you, and literally they put like two inches between the tables, and there's someone right here. It's like you're sitting at the same table. In the beginning, you used to have a spiritual conversation. It was kind of awkward because you're like, okay, they can, but now I'm like, hey, Lord, If they want to listen, great. And people listen in and God uses that. And so now you don't even, I don't even care anymore. Actually, I'm like, okay, Lord, do what you do. And, you know, your word is going to go out and so forth. Um, But that was a divine appointment in the grocery store. That was a divine appointment. And that's how God works through these divine appointments. Let me share one last story with you. I was... um, Jeannie and I were at home, I think we were watching a movie, but God had divinely orchestrated a hunger for pizza within me. Um, And I think it's true. I honestly think it's true, and I'll tell you why. So what we did is I obeyed, and we ordered a pizza. (laughs) Okay, I'm playing that up a little bit, but you know, I, I, I was hungry for pizza, so I ordered a pizza, right? But I do believe this was divinely orchestrated. So a guy comes to deliver the pizza, and he comes and I say, oh, what's your name? And he says, oh, my name's Muhammad. Uh, I said, where are you from, Muhammad? He said, I'm from, I'm from Senegal. I said, really? I said, God's doing amazing things in the lives of people from Senegal. And he says, really, what do you mean? I said, well, people are having dreams of Isa, Jesus. People are having dreams of Isa al-Masih. People are being healed. Lives are being changed. Um, and he said, Really? So long story short, um, Mohammed and I started to get together. He would, he would pass my house every day to get to the pizza place to do his deliveries. So we started to pray together in the mornings, like three times a week. We started to get together. I'd, I'd walk down to the corner. He'd meet me on his bike. We'd pray. He'd go to work. That went on for about six months. Then we started to study the scriptures together. Uh, this went on for about another year. And then his visa was revoked and Mohammed goes back to Senegal, right? We're texting back and forth this whole time, and Muhammad says, hey, can you pray for me? I'm really struggling um, with my job right now. Can you pray for me? And I'm sharing passages and praying, and I said, I can pray for you. Actually, I know this woman of God named Siona who lives in your city. Can she come over and pray for you? And he's like, yes. So I connect Siona and Muhammad together, who are now both back in Dakar, In Senegal, 99.9% Muslim. Muhammad's a Muslim. And they start, they get together. About, I don't know, a week later, uh, Jeannie and I were at this wedding and I get a text on WhatsApp from, from Siona and she says, Muhammad and his whole family just prayed to receive Christ. Praise God. God had divinely orchestrated that Muhammad would be working that shift that night, that he would be the one, maybe they have, I don't know, maybe they have three other drivers, that he would be the one who would come to my house. God had prompted me, which unfortunately, I don't always like engage people spiritually, which I wish I did more, but I'm always trying to live. But he prompted me to say something. God used it in his life. These events unfolded. God was also working in Siona at the same time in a whole bunch of different events. Now she's back in Senegal. Then Mohammed goes back. They connect and thank- I'm so thankful actually that I didn't lead Muhammad to Christ because I would so much rather Siona lead him to Christ. She speaks, they speak the same language. They understand the same culture and now they're together and she is encouraging and meeting with him and he's you know, connected with these churches. You see, this these are divine appointments. These are divine appointments. I wanna encourage you to expect divine appointments to happen. I've talked about this topic and I've seen people go home and engage their neighbors for the first time in 10 years and their neighbors open up sobbing and saying, uh, I, This one guy went home after a talk and he just said, He went out to a neighbor that he he never talked to him spiritually, lived next to him 10 years, and he said, He just went out and he said, Hey, Charlie, how can I pray for you? First time he ever said anything that resembled spirituality, the guy broke down on the lawn, said, my wife and I, we have a horrible marriage. My kids aren't talking to me. And all of a sudden, his heart was open spiritually. There are people all around who are spiritually receptive. And if you will live out loud and engage people spiritually, God will actually begin to bring more and more people to you. The other choice is that you... Don't expect divine appointments, you don't live out loud, and you sit on the sideline always wondering why God is using other people to to lead so many people to Christ. You are his ambassador. God is making his appeal through you, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your colleagues. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I just pray, Lord, um, that each of us here would, would leave with this passion to to be your mouthpiece, that we would turn up our spiritual volume, that we would live out loud, Lord. And I pray that we would pray each day with the expectation that you will bring people to us who need to hear and we need to engage and that you would orchestrate orchestrate those details, Lord. Let us go out and expect this. And Lord, may I, I pray that we would see many, many divine appointments over the next weeks, months, years. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.